that was my biggest, like, that was the thing I was most nervous about is talking about the books, you know, and not sounding dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to sound dumb when you're talking about the books. Hey, readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 116. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, today's guest, Rachel Robinson, lives in Southern California, but I met her for the very first time in my own kitchen in Louisville, Kentucky. Hang tight, readers. You'll hear how and why that happened in just a minute. Rachel describes herself as an extreme book lover who discovered her reading obsession when her son was born and Netflix just wasn't cutting it for entertainment anymore. Today, we get to chat about a book ending that Rachel loves, book club problems, last minute bookish adventures, and so much more. But make sure to stick around for the end of the show because as a special treat this time, I got the chance to have a second conversation with Rachel and see what she actually thought of a book I recommended based on her loves and hates. Let's get to it. Readers, on our recent Ask Me Anything episode, I got lots of questions about recommending books for kids. When it comes to children's recs, I rely on people who know children's books, and Literati Kids sure does. Literati Kids is a book club subscription that sends five beautiful children's books to your door each month, handpicked by experts. They tailor each box with age-appropriate selections for children aged 0 to 12, and around themes like mystery, adventure, and history. My 10-year-old loved his Literati box and found several new favorite authors among their personalized selections. In addition to the books your child receives, Receives artwork from world-renowned artists, personalized stickers, and other fun goodies in each monthly box. Go to literati.com slash readnext for 25% off your first two orders and pick your kids' book club today. Remember, no one else has kids' book clubs like these. Only at literati.com slash readnext can you get 25% off your first two orders and receive five incredible kids' books curated by experts delivered to your door every month. That's literati.com slash readnext. Want a confidence boost? Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. Get gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door starting at $22. This is game-changing color you can do at home and look as if you just came from the salon without the time or expense. At Madison Reed, master colorists blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. What should I read next? Listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with the code READ. Use the code READ, R-E-A-D, at madison-read-r-e-e-d.com. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it is my pleasure. I'm so excited about getting to talk books with you today because we've done this before in person, and I've really been looking forward to talking to you again. Me too. Okay, so we met because back in June, we collaborated with the podcast, or more like they let What Should I Read Next crash their podcast with Knox and Jamie game when they came to Louisville and had a live event, and you came, and I got to meet you in my kitchen. Yes, and I was just so excited about that event. (laughs) Okay, so you traveled across the country to meet your fellow book people. First of all, I'd love to hear what inspired that journey? (laughs) Um, Well, first I just was talking to my husband about it and it was kind of a joke. And I said, the podcast is having this event. It's in Kentucky. I want to go. And he looked at me and said, well, why don't you? And it was just, it was shocking to me that he said that. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, buy the tickets right now. You can go. It'll be your birthday present. 
so I did. And I flew by myself. It was the first time I had ever done anything like this before. And I went to the event and I met book people and podcast people. And it was just lovely. Do you have book people in your daily life? Or was that a different kind of experience? Because we do talk to a lot of avid readers who say that their reading lives are on a whole different level than a lot of people they do know in their day-to-day life. And that it's really fun to get together with somebody who's just as rapid as they are. But I mean, is that you? Um, I'm definitely an extreme book lover, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I have a book club and we meet once a month and um, and it's lovely, but I would say that I've taken reading to a definitely different level than those gals. They always tease me that I bring five picks to suggest to read next month and everyone was like, I hope I remember to bring one because <laughs> I just get so excited about books and I want to read all the books. Um, so getting to go to this event was it was like a bucket list checklist item that I didn't know was on my bucket list until I read that post that you put on Modern Mrs. Darcy. Okay, first of all, what do you mean by you take it to the extreme? Well, I I have an entire Instagram account dedicated to my reading life. I post every single day about what I'm reading and what I'm doing and what books I want to read or listen to. So I feel like that's a bit extreme. <laughs> what is it about reading that makes it so important to you? I think, well, my husband works pretty long hours. And after I had a baby, I just, I needed something to fill my time that wasn't more TV. I feel like after I had my baby, I watched Netflix. I watched the whole thing and I was just going crazy. <laughs> and so I, I've always enjoyed reading, but I don't know if it was a love. It was just something that I did. And so I just started reading and I just started reading and I read when I was nursing my baby and I would read while he was napping and I just became obsessed with it and it just became a joy for me to sit down at the end of the day with a good book and just read and go to all these new places. So what changed? What ch- because you it sounds like you've been a reader for a long time but then you became someone who really loves to read. What happened there? Um I think it's hard to say. I Well, one thing that really made my love of books grow was I, I discovered the Bookstagram community and I thought, wow, there's people out there who are reading a lot and I'm only reading one or two books a month and I thought that was pretty cool. But these people are showing these monthly pictures of stacks of books that they're reading and I was like, wow, they're getting through amazing literature. I can do that. I've got time. I'm home with my sweet little boy and he's napping all the time. So I can use that extra time to read. And so I just did. And by reading so much, I think my reading speed, if that's a thing, definitely picked up because I was able to just get in, you know, 10 to 12 books a month. And it was just wonderful. Rachel, how long has it been since you turned from you know, the kind of person who read one or two books a month to the kind of person who is reading a book every two or three days? I would say about three years. My 
my best reading year was actually the year I had my son. Um, that year I read over a hundred books, um, which for me was huge. I was telling everybody who didn't care, um, that I had so many <laughs> books I had read that month. Um, so I definitely needed to have an outlet to share my excitement with people. Um, and that's ever since then, I've just been reading as much as I can. How do you decide what to read next? I'm I'm a mood reader. Uh, sometimes I need that light, fluffy read, and sometimes I want to just I want to struggle through a book and read it and learn from it. So I think it just depends on what type of mood I'm in. I relate to that, Rachel. You know how this works, so I can't wait to hear your favorites. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you've been reading lately, and then we'll talk about what you should read next. Are you ready to dive in? I am so excited. Okay, let's start with your favorites. What is a book you love? Okay, so I want to say first that these are three three books that I have read recently that I have loved. Well, two books that I've read recently that I loved and one that will just always be a love forever. Um, because I read so much, I couldn't choose, you know, the lifetime love. It's just, it's not going to happen for me. But my first book that I'm choosing is Beartown by Frederick Bachman. Um, this was a summer reading guide pick on your summer reading guide. And uh, when I first saw it on there, I thought, oh, good, a book about hockey. Awesome. I can skip that one. <laughs> um, because I am not a sports person. They don't interest me. I know very little about hockey. The few things that I know are from a friend of mine who enjoys it, and that doesn't count. Um, so, But you spoke very highly of it, and I thought, well, all right, I'll give it a try. So I picked it up. And this book was amazing. Um, hockey is is definitely the theme. It is all about hockey, and and I feel like you should definitely know that going into it. But hockey is also it's a character in this book, and the people in the town, this very small Swedish town, live and breathe hockey, and to the point where the players on this team have just become idols in this town and it's a goal to be on the hockey team so you could I guess basically get out of you know bear town and move on and become the you know the famous hockey star and live your life that way and it is a book that when I recommend it I do it very carefully it has a lot of triggers there is strong themes in this book and I don't recommend it to a reader who has a hard time reading things that happen to others that are really hard to read about. But I I was just glad that I got to read it. And it's so unlike Bachman's other books, which are very light and fun and silly, whereas this book is very heavy and strong. And the topics made me really think more than any other book that I've read in a good long time. I love this one too. And we talked to him in the Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club this summer in a memorable conversation. He was in the back of a car going from one bookstore to another, I think, during a massive thunderstorm in Chicago. So that was interesting. But he mentioned then, and I hadn't heard this before, that Beartown was going to be the first book in a planned trilogy. So they just announced in the back of his new book, The Deal of a Lifetime. It's just a short little, they call it novella, but it's you could read it in an hour. It's more like a short story length, I think. But 
they finally announced the pub date for his next book called Us Against Them, and it's coming out in June 2018. And I'm going to be counting down because I did love Beartown so much. And I was excited to hear he was probing more. Yes, I squealed when I saw that. I I didn't think this book would be more than, you know, a standalone novel. I didn't think it needed it, to be perfectly honest with you. When I finished the book, I felt like it finished and and it ended. Obviously, I knew the characters would go on, but I didn't know Bachman would take it farther. And so when I found, when he told us that, you know, he was writing more books, I was really intrigued. Um, I was excited and also a little nervous because the book felt complete to me. Um, but he's such a good, trustworthy writer that I know he's going to just write something really amazing and thought provoking. Yes, that's where I am. I didn't finish the book and think like, oh, the story obviously needs to continue. Um, before I read Beartown, I would never have told you, you know what kind of novel I want to read? Beartown would not have been what I described, but I was so impressed by his work and he can do whatever he wants and I'll read it. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, I anytime somebody says, "What's a great book?" and I'm like, "Oh, you could just read anything by him, and you'll you'll be really satisfied." It's nice to have authors like that. Rachel, what's another book you love? Okay, my second book is "The Stars Are Fire" by Anita Shreve, also a summer reading guide pick. And it was my first book by her. She is prolific and has written many books. I had no idea who she was. I'd never heard of her. I had seen this book um, on the shelves at Costco and walked right past it because the cover honestly wasn't intriguing to me. (laughs) I am definitely one of those people who judges a book by a cover. And I know it's wrong, but I do. Um, So I I picked it up um, and I read it in two days. I couldn't put it down. This story captured me. Um, Grace Holland is the main character in the book, lives in a in um, a coastal town off of Maine. And she was just an interesting character to me. The book is not happy-go-lucky. It's it's sad and actually a little depressing. So when I recommend it, it's like, I, I always say that. I go, this isn't, you know, your beach read. This is a different kind of a read. The main character, Grace, her marriage is it's very strained when her husband goes to help with the effort to fight the fire that has basically ruined her entire coastal town. He doesn't come back and Grace is okay with that. Um, She was struggling in her marriage and now she's kind of left with figuring out what's next. How am I going to take care of my two children as a single mom and a single woman in a world that is basically collapsing around her? And I just thought it was beautiful and I loved it. My brain was still fixated on the very unhappy marriage. And then I heard the word beautiful and it was a little bit jarring. <laughs> so this is a historical novel. Is that a genre you typically like? Yes, I love historical fiction. What is it about it? I'm reading about a time mostly that I don't know a lot about and about a character that I would have never heard of, even if it is fictional. And I'm going back in time and that's just really cool. Okay, I got it. So you get to vicariously experience another era? Yes. Okay. Also, the two books you've mentioned so far pack a big emotional punch. They do. They're very intense reads. Coincidence? Or do you like like a book that can make you feel intense emotions? Not coincidence. Um, when I was trying to pick out my three titles, all of them were kind of in the same vein. Intense, made you think, not exactly the happy-go-lucky books. I enjoy those. 
I do. Um, I, I love a, a lighter read, but my books that I recommend over and over again tend to be those books that make you really think about what's happening to those characters and how you would have handled the situation if you were in their place. What other books do you find yourself recommending over and over again? Do you have any go-tos? Well, anything by Kate Morton, I just think is always a go-to because she I love the way she writes that back and forth. She between present day, well, generally some type of more modern day and something in the past. She does it so well, better than any other author, I feel like. Rachel, what's your third favorite? So my third favorite is 84 Trying Cross Road by Helene Hamp, which is, I feel like, kind of a completely different than the other two books. Um, Much lighter read. This book came to me in a very special way. My husband and I have been married for eight years. And before I got married to him, I had never gone anywhere. I had only been on a plane once and it was to San Francisco for 40, you know, that's a 45 minute flight. And so he took me to Paris on our honeymoon. And he said, I'm going to take you and you're going to see the world. And we went to Shakespeare and Company, which is in Paris. And I didn't know what book to buy. (laughs) So, you know, some of them are in French. And so I knew I didn't want that. And I knew I wanted a book to read on the long flight home. So I picked up this book because it had a really pretty cover and it was just gorgeous. And I said, well, this one will be fine. And my copy doesn't even have, you know, um, a description of what the book is about. I only bought this book because it's pretty. And um, so I started reading it and I loved it. It's written in letter form, which I think is just so much fun. I feel like it's just such a personal way to write a book because when people write letters, they're sharing things they might not want to share over the phone or share in person. It's just so personal, intimate. And these these characters were great. Um, it starts off with a letter um, Helene writes to a bookseller in London um, requesting a book. And that starts a 20 year long back and forth of letter writing between the people at the Marks and Company bookseller shop in London and Helene in New York. And it is so fun and the perfect book for anybody who loves books and books about books. I can't believe of all people, you picked this book up about the love of reading and the love of books up pretty much randomly based on the beautiful cover. That is really fun. It, it kind of makes me love the book a little bit more. And what's really special when you buy a book from Shakespeare and Company, they stamp it with their signature stamp on the, on the front cover. And which is why I had to buy a book because, you know, I needed to have a book with this stamp and I needed to bring this home as my souvenir. <laughs> you know, I do know. I can, I can imagine what it might be like to be in that position. And then I had to have my husband take a picture of me while the book was being stamped because that was really important as well. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm very few of our listeners are going to argue with you there. Readers, if you love What Should I Read Next, you're going to love being part of our Patreon community. That's where we share bonus episodes, including follow-ups with previous guests, interesting conversations that were cut for time reasons, and one great book style episodes where I tell you all about recent reads that I adore. In addition to the extra audio, you get access to our super secret spreadsheet vault with the full list of all the books guests love and my three recommendations from every episode in an easy to search format. And on occasion, we get together live online for Ask Us Anything style conversations and events like our 90 minute fall book preview and summer reading guide unboxing. Join for all these perks and to be part of the community behind What Should I Read Next. 
Go to patreon.com slash what should I read next? That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what should I read next to become a member today. Patreon.com slash what should I read next? Rachel, what's a book that you are not so crazy about? Okay, I know a lot of people on this show have a hard time using the word hate, and I do too generally. Um, but this book, I really, I really, I hated it. I did. <laughs> um, it is Anything Is Possible by Elizabeth Strout. Um, I first want to start off by saying that yes, I did read Lucy Barton before I read this book, so I feel like I had a really good knowledge of Lucy's story and you know, the writing that Elizabeth Strout wrote for that book. So I was really excited to read this book. It is a small book, so the size wasn't the problem. It is short stories, which I think is definitely one of the main reasons I didn't care for it. I don't care for short stories. Right when I'm getting involved in a character, it's over. And you never see those characters again. And so it's hard for me to gain momentum in a collection of short stories. Um, But the other reason I didn't like it is it it kind of creeped me out. One of the short stories called Cracked was really when this book started going downhill for me. I felt uncomfortable reading that story and just wanted the book to end. But I finished it because I wanted to be able to talk about this book in the Modern Mrs. Darcy book club that month. So I pushed through so I could say I disliked it. And here's (laughs) Yes, I finished it. Because if you don't finish a book, I don't know if you can have bold opinions about hating it. And I had some. (laughs) Okay. Not well done or not for you? Not for me. I actually think it was extremely well done. And Shrout writes in such a way that you feel very present. Whether or not you want to be present in that scene, you're there. Because she describes... You know, that scene was about, a, you know, a home with a lot of glass and different things. And I was there in that house and I wanted to not be there. I wanted to escape that situation. Um, but yeah, that, that book was not for me. Okay. Um, so you really like a book with a lot of emotional resonance, which I would say anything is possible it has, but they're not emotions that maybe most readers want to like hunker down and sit with for a while. It's pretty bleak. I, I don't enjoy bleak like that. Fantastic. I can work with that. Rachel, what are you reading right now? Right now, I am reading The Ninth Hour by Alice McDermott. And so you've been publicly shamed by John Ronson. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Rachel, I am a little afraid you will have read everything I'm about to rattle off to you, but I'm hopeful that we could figure it out. I trust you. (laughs) You'll do a great job. Rachel, are you ready to dive in? I am ready to dive in. Okay. So it sounds like you have a pretty good idea of what you're looking for. And we've talked about that. So emotionally resonant, your books have been really steeped in atmosphere. The, The one you didn't like and the ones you do. All of them really draw you into another world, whether it's that of the bookseller or a first drought and then fire-ravaged main coast, and then a insular hockey town in very cold rural Sweden. I mean, you really feel like you're there. I think that's completely accurate. So that's what I have in mind. Okay, wing and a prayer. Here goes. What do you know about Maggie O'Farrell? I'm thinking about This Must Be the Place. I don't know her. I've never even heard of that book. She may be best known so far for her previous work, Instructions for a Heat Wave. I think this is now novel like five or six for her. 
but she, she's been steadily picking up steam throughout her career. So this one came out, I think in the summer of 2016. I don't want to give too much away, but this is a family saga. I really like this for you because it's got really great, well-drawn, very complex characters um, whose motivations are often at war within each character and also between the different family members. It's not super long, but it's about 400 pages. So she really has space to play and like give her characters a real a real sense of like, oh, that could be, that could be my father. That could be my cousin. That could be my neighbor. Like they feel like real people, not just people that only exist on a page. This is a story that's told across many different timelines from multiple perspectives. It's really stylistically complex, which can be dangerous territory for a writer. It, Cause you know, if it doesn't work, it's disaster, but I think she really pulls it off. The plot is very intricate. And what you have is a series of narratives that are like they all hang together as one. They're set between 1944 and 2016. You hear a lot of different perspectives. And it's really interesting because some are told from the first person, some are told from the third person, some are told in only correspondence. In one chapter, there's a transcript of an interview. At the heart of the story is a married couple who come together in a chance way, like they were never supposed to have met. And he's got an interesting backstory and hers is a little fantastic. And all the characters are so different, but not so different that we don't know as people that very different people exist within the same family. And I really like how there are layers of relationships. There's husband and wife, father and son, the brother and sister-in-laws are present. Um, there's a few family friends who are very important. And I really love how um, every character has something they are really struggling with in a relatable way. And what I really like this book is that it feels realistic, but also optimistic. So O'Farrell is not like a happy-go-lucky, you know, optimist where everything is going to work out for the best, because in this story, it's definitely not clear that's going to happen. But she's not bleak either. There's a hopeful feeling in this book that I really appreciated and not because it rang false, but I did like that she was, it felt like her characters were choosing to see good possibilities, like as a conscious act of hope. And it doesn't have a tidy resolution. Not everybody's story really ends. How does that sound to you? That sounds great. You used really good words. You used hopeful possibilities. And I actually love an unpredictable ending. That is something I enjoy in a book. When I can guess the ending really early on, it, it makes me sad. But when the ending finishes and it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that or ends in an unusual way, I am absolutely okay with that. All right. Now, let me tell you what I didn't tell you. If I wanted to give you the like headline version of the plot, because I was trying to avoid it, but you know what? Every single review of this book is going to say it. So at the heart of this story is a woman, and O'Farrell has a reputation for writing about interesting, unconventional women, and her character Claudette is certainly one. So she became an international, extremely famous, living in the spotlight film star who had enough in her early 20s, and she disappears so completely that she was assumed dead for a long interval of time. And My goodness. Right. So this is the one thing in the story that makes you think, 
you know, on one hand, I could totally see that happening. But on the other, really? So, <laughs> but I'll, I'll give O'Farrell this much because of where, where she goes with it from there. And she and her son have a flat in the Irish countryside. And that's when a Berkeley professor comes driving by, sees the kid at the side of the road who needs help. And um, he stops. They start chatting. He can't quite place her. He's like, it's, it, you seem familiar, but I have no idea why. And because those are the circumstances they met in, she was willing to go with it. So the way the story plays with power and publicity and um, the good and bad of being known is really, really interesting. And I think she takes a tiny bit of a far-fetched inciting incident and really makes it pay off. I'm excited. I think that sounds wonderful. Okay. More or less likely to read it based on the film star thing. Oh, more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have, okay. I'm glad I, I threw a, it in. Yes. No, I definitely have a fascination with film stars and royalty. Um, those people are fascinating and I would rather read it about them in a book than in a magazine. Oh, okay. So literary fiction trumps us weekly. Is that what you're saying? Yes, indeed. Okay. okay. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> For book two, have you read Lillian Boxfish Takes a Walk? I have. And? I enjoyed that book very much. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear it. I was thinking historical, emotionally resident, draws you in, time and place. Okay. What about The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zafon? I started that book and abandoned it. How far did you get? 100 pages. Okay. I think I think it might be worth your time to pick it back up based on what you like. But first, can you tell me when you read it? You got 100 pages in. How long ago was this? About two years ago. Um, my sister recommended it to me because she felt like I would love it as well. Okay. Let me tell you why. why I think it might be hitting or checking your bookish boxes. And then you can tell me what you think. I just read this fairly recently after several podcast guests, either on the record where listeners would have heard or off the record said, you haven't read that book. It seems so perfect for you. Like you need to remedy that fast. <laughs> the reason I got thinking of it based on what you like is it's historical fiction that absolutely sucks you into another time and place eventually, because I did just read this recently and it took me a really, really, really long time to get in. Because the thing about entering another time and place through a book is that unless it's it's an era or a setting that you are very familiar with already, it takes a lot of mental work to get oriented, to figure out where you are and who you're with and what you need to know and what is happening. This is a complex story. So it's 500 pages. So you did read a fair chunk of it, but there are so, there's so much groundwork to be laid here because this is so intricately stitched together. There's a lot of emotional punch in here. Uh, a lot of people with very, very high stakes life and death situations going on. I also like it for you because it's got this literary mystery feel that feels very much like Kate Morton's Distant Hours to me. feels very much like The 13th Tale. Is that a book you know? Yes. And we read that actually in my book club. And I mean, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. it I didn't love it as much as everyone else did though. Because it's a little bleaker. It is. Mm -hmm. I think with Shadow of the Wind, you know, when you put a book down, 
because it's just not the right time to read the book, but you're not putting it down because you're giving up on it and you'll never pick it up again. It's I'm putting this down because now is not the right time for me to finish this book. I don't have the brain capacity to become immersed in this story and because I didn't donate it or give it to somebody else. If I donate it, then I'll never pick it up again. But if I put it back on my to-be-read shelf, there's a chance that the time will come when I'll be interested in that one again. Okay. Two things you need to know. Okay. The audiobook is fantastic. Oh, wonderful. And also, it sounds like you already own this, but I do. But it is the Z for the beautiful drop caps editions. Oh no. I wish you hadn't shared that information <laughs> with me, and because I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to pretty books, and I always feel like I need all of the editions of every book that's ever been released. So you're not just a one one title only? No, I'm a, oh, I need it in soft cover and I need it in hard cover because if I'm going to lend this to a friend, I want to give them the soft cover one so they don't break my hardcover edition. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's really ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll let, I'll let you sit with that. Have you read, have you read Miller's Valley by Anna Quinlan? No, I've actually ne- not read anything by her. Okay. This is a really interesting one to start with. We've talked about this on the podcast before, so we'll only, we'll only count it as a half pick. But since you sound kind of lukewarm on Shadow of the Wind, I want to give you a backup. Okay. So this is another small town story. It's about a young woman coming of age, finding herself, um, coming to terms with her family and, um, her identity. She lives in this really interesting, area geographically. I think it might be West Virginia. I might be wrong about that, but she's a crossroads. Her community is also at a crossroads because it's about to undergo an enormous change. And I really liked the way that it was very reflective. Her main character was really likable. She goes through hard stuff. It's not like everybody goes skipping off into the sunset and, you know, lives happily ever after, but it was easy to read, but it was also really wise and warm. It reminded me a lot about Barbara Kingsolver and I love Barbara Kingsolver. I suspect that you might also find her work checks a lot of your bookish boxes. How, how does that sound? Um, that sounds wonderful. And I have to admit though, I've actually never read Barbara Kingsolver um, before either. I have their books on my shelves, on my to-be-read shelves. So it's not from lack of not owning them. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could slide a mention in there. Okay. For book three, what do you think about The Truth According to Us by Annie Barrows? The Truth According to Us? It sounds familiar, but I have not read it. I don't think. Okay. So do you know the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society? I do. It actually, it, it was, I was torn between 84 Charing Cross Road and that book Okay, um, of making it one of my top picks. So there's an important connection between those two books. So Mary Ann Schaefer wrote almost all of Guernsey herself, but she died before it was complete. And it was her niece. Annie Barrows is a relative of Mary Ann Schaefer's and is a co-author of Guernsey because she helped complete it after Schaefer herself died. So after that book was complete and went on to great success, Barrow's first adult novel that she wrote, because she wrote the Ivy and Bean books for kids, was The Truth According to Us. And this came out a few weeks ago, and it's historical fiction. And it's set in small town West Virginia. We've got a small town thing going. (laughs) I sense a theme. Small town West Virginia. 
in the late 30s, and a young woman determined to get out from under, under her father's thumb takes a job for the New Deal's Federal Writers Project. So those are all, well, except except for our heroine, those are all historical facts. So Barrows really plunges you into this specific time, specific place, specific circumstances, and drops her main character into this circle of friends and family, this small town community where everybody knows everybody else. And I was a little bit skeptical because all I knew about Barrows was Ivy and Bean. And I knew that while she was a co-author of... Guernsey, that was mostly Schaefer's work, but I did find it really satisfying and a really good story. How does that sound? That sounds really good. And since I loved, I loved the other book and I loved how it was written, I'm sure I'll enjoy this one as well. And you said something about how letters are very personal. So this is not an epistolary novel, but there are a lot of letters that move the story forward in this book. I love that. I'm glad to hear it. Okay, Rachel... Of those three, four, five books, <laughs> what do you think you'll read next? I think I'm going to pick up Shadow of the Wind next just because I, I, you know, I abandoned that book and I want to know what I was thinking back then and try it again. Okay. I, will, I'm, I don't want to oversell it, but I do think it's one of those books where the author is laying down I was going to say cards, but let's go with dominoes. He sets up so many dominoes early on and you can't really discern the pattern or where they're going. But at the end of the book, he kicks them over in a way that leaves you going, oh, wow, that worked. I love that. I like being lost kind of in the beginning and then seeing it and going, oh man, like how did I miss that? Yes. Yes, me too. I totally, I totally relate. And that's another thing that I really liked about O'Farrell too, is that it, I mean, I'm willing, I'm willing to hang with a book and be glad I read it despite an ending that was less than satisfying. But um, all these books we've talked about today, they really nail their endings. Oh, I'm excited. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for recommending three great books that I can't wait to start. It's my pleasure. Thanks for talking books with me today. Thank you, Anne. Readers, Rachel wasn't kidding when she said she could really chew through a stack of books. This is the first time I've gotten to share what a reader thought of the books I picked in the very same episode. I checked back in with Rachel recently. Here's our conversation about This Must Be the Place. Rachel, welcome back. Thank you so much, Anne. Well, it's good to talk to you again. And this is the first time we've ever done it quite like this on What Should I Read Next? So because it just so happens, because of the way we like to shuffle the variety of our our programming here on What Should I Read Next, that sounds very PBS of me. Um, there's been a longer than usual gap between when we spoke the first time, which was so delightful, and now we're speaking again. So that's actually given you time to read a little bit. Yes, it has. Okay, so talk to me about This Must Be the Place, because I've been able to track your progress on your Instagram account, Reading Brings Joy. So I saw the really pretty <laughs> photos when it first arrived in your house, and I saw you carrying it around in your purse, and then I saw you give it a star rating. So can can you tell me about that? Yes, I. this book went with me everywhere. It went with me to San Diego. It went with me to the coffee shop. I had this book with me for a, for a while. It's it didn't seem like it was a long book when I picked it up, but it was hardy. Um, it is a good size hardback. Um, but first, I want to say that you were spot on with your recommendation with this book. It was so me. It was a story that spanned years. It was a story that had a lot of diverse characters. And at one point, I was reading it, and I thought, how is this character even going to connect with 
the main characters. And as you're reading, it just, it does. And it was amazing to see almost how Maggie O'Farrell's mind works to connect it all. I was just so impressed by this book. I'm so glad to hear it. So what was your star rating? Because it wasn't five. I remember that. Wasn't five. I debated about my star rating for a long time, and I actually had a whole conversation with my husband about it. He listened very patiently because I (laughs) couldn't decide what star rating to give this book because it didn't feel like a five-star read to me, but four felt too much and three felt not enough. I kind of wanted a happy medium, so I ended up with three, but I think it's because it did feel a bit long to me. And towards the end, I just felt like this story could have wrapped up a while ago. And at one point I was mad at the characters because they weren't doing what I wanted them to do. (laughs) And that frustrated me. I thought this isn't how I want this to end. I don't, I don't like what you guys are choosing. And so I'm not happy right now. Um, And you know, things are serious when you're talking to your book about how things should go. It doesn't really, the book doesn't care what you think it's going to happen, whether you like it or not. That is sometimes the worst part about reading. I know. They weren't doing what I wanted, and it was making me upset. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so did you end on three and a half? I did, but Goodreads, you know, you can only put solid ratings. You know, there's no half. I think if somebody from Goodreads is listening, they should fix that. But So I ended up with three, but I loved it. It's not – I'm very – stingy with my stars, I think. I am too. And I feel bad about that when I do put them on Goodreads, which is why lately I haven't been rating things on Goodreads. I'm sorry if you follow me there. But like so many people, I save my fives for like the truly life-changing, oh my gosh, this was fantastic kind of books. And the four is right behind it. Because I feel like if you give everything a four and a five, then what what does it even mean? And Goodreads says that three is a solid, like, I liked this book. Exactly. But still, I feel bad. I was actually told recently that I'm a bit ruthless with my star ratings because I gave something a two and they thought that was a bit much. And I said, I really didn't care for the book. So I don't want to tell somebody that it was, you know, a three star rating when I put, you know, a book I did enjoy as a three star rating. So they told me that was very, very ruthless. And I said, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for coming back and telling us about it. Thank you so much for having me again, Anne. It was such a joy. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rachel today. Head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for Rachel and let her know there what you thought of my recommendations. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 116. That's 116. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Connect with Rachel on Instagram. Her account is one of my favorites. You can find her there at Reading Brings Joy because she thinks it totally does. You can also check out her blog at readingbringsjoy.blogspot.com. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next? Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.